0: chapter 32 of the rat race by j franklin this librivox recording is in the public domain i walked down lenox avenue to the first cigar store and telephoned the office as soon as i was connected with arthur jean i asked her to meet me at her apartment as soon as she could make it then i hailed a cab and was driven south through central park to the upper east 50s and my secretary's apartment she was waiting. "'Gee, honey!' she exclaimed. "'I just got here. What's cooking?' I followed her in and went straight to the kitchenette. I poured myself a stiff drink and downed it rapidly. I poured myself another and turned to see her staring at me. "'You look terrible,' she told me. "'What's happened to you?' "'I can't tell you,' I replied. "'You'd think I'm crazy and you'd turn me in.' "'I will not.' She came up close to me and looked me square in the eye. I don't care if you're crazy as a bedbug," she announced. "Go on and pit it out in mamma's hand. I won't squeal. Sit down, I ordered and get yourself a drink first. This is tough. She sat and listened quietly as I outlined the latest developments. So you see, I concluded I can't tell anyone they'd have me locked up for keeps. She nodded, yeah. She agreed. I can see that. Maybe your wife... I couldn't tell her, I contradicted. It would be too damn cruel just now when she's really happy. Arthur Jean sat and thought for a while. Yep, she remarked, as though she had just concluded a long argument. You're right. You can't tell anybody that. How about this nosy A.J. Harcourt? Won't he find out? He's still having you telled. I don't see how he could. I told her, unless that Madame Laloon is a complete phony, which doesn't make sense. She and I were alone in the room. If it was a plant, there's nothing to tell. If she's on the level, she won't remember what went on." "'That's no plant,' Arthur Jean Briggs announced. "'It wouldn't make sense for the FBI to pull it. Harcourt sent you there in the first place, but he wouldn't put her up to a trick like that. He'll be hot on my trail, then," I said. All those clergymen I saw will have to be checked, when all the time— Do you know what I'd do if I was you? She said abruptly. I'd get rid of that damn dog, but fast. You mean sell it? I asked. I mean kill it. It isn't natural, acting that way. It's been worrying you, nigh crazy. That's what it's been doing. You just take it to the vets and have it chloroformed. They do it all the time, on account of the rabbis. "'Rabies,' I corrected. "'That's right. But they do it, don't they? You don't have to get permission, he's your property. You can tell the vet he bit you.' I started up. "'Hell!' I exclaimed. I've got to get him away from the kennels, fast! It's—it's—' it's... Arthur Jean put her large, strong hand on my shoulder. "'There, honey,' she soothed me. "'It's all right. It's going to be all right.' I looked at her and realized that she hadn't believed a word of my story. "'See here,' I began, when the doorbell rang. two to one, it's Harcourt,' I remarked. "'I hope so,' said Arthur Jean, coloring faintly. "'Well, what's all this about?' I demanded, as a slow blush gathered in sunset fury upon her pleasant face. "'Why, Arthur Jean!' lay off she begged he's a nice guy and he hasn't got that family in brooklyn he kept talking about you and me are washed up and-well he's from the south too and he talks my language good luck i told her but he's also on the doorstep so take hold of yourself he was she did evening miss briggs the special agent said politely any luck mr tompkins I shook my head. He looked reproachful. Oh, come now, he pleaded. Something must have happened. You got out of Harlem like a bat out of hell and almost shook the agent who was telling you. You don't look to me like nothing happened. Have you filled in that gap? Started to remember anything? On my word of honor, Andy, I swore, I haven't remembered a thing. The gap's still there. He said nothing for a few minutes and exchanged a glance with Arthur Jean. ''Something must have happened,'' he requested. ''You've changed. Come clean, can't you? I'm only trying to help you.'' ''I can't tell you much of anything,'' I told him. ''You wouldn't believe me if I did. There's been a sort of locked door inside my mind for the last three weeks. Now the door's unlocked and it's beginning to swing open. I haven't looked inside, but I think I know what I'll find i can't tell you more than that now but you're going to look aren't you he asked i've got to look i said he sighed well we'll just have to keep an eye on you so as to be around when you do see here mr tompkins you know your own business but this von bieberstein guy is nobody to monkey around with he's plenty tough and he'd as soon kill as sneeze can't you give me a hint i'm trained to take those risks and know how to take care of myself. And anyhow, the Bureau is back of me." I leaned back in my chair and laughed and laughed and laughed until I noticed that both Arthur Jean and Harcourt were staring at me without smiling. Sorry, I apologized. It's just that something struck me as rather funny. Well, Arthur Jean, I'll be catching the train back to Westchester. You and Andy blow yourself to a dinner at my expense. I'll go down to the vet's first thing in the morning and follow your advice. Good night, Andy. I'll be seeing you." That night I locked myself in my bedroom and slept alone. Germaine was worried, but I put her aside with the explanation that I had a splitting headache. Too much to drink, probably, was my explanation. The truth was that I didn't want to see or talk to my wife, so that she could not guess the perfectly appalling knowledge that had come to me. This was insane, I repeated to myself. Even Arthur Jean Briggs, who had sworn never to turn me in, had not believed it. Yet no other explanation was open to me the dog's whole conduct since that fatal afternoon of april second was consistent only with the utterly irrational theory that the body of the great dane had been possessed by the soul of winnie tompkins at the very moment when the latter's body now mine had been possessed by the soul of frank jacklin everybody had a fairly nice set of words for the latter phenomenon trauma schizophrenia neurasthenia, the will of God. And the best advice was uniform. Forget about it. It will wear off in time. Take things easy. You've been working too hard. Everybody's crazy. Now, just imagine trying to convince the FBI or a psychiatrist that, in addition to this delusion, you know for a fact that a Great Dane is now inhabited by the soul that once resided in your own body. I could hear the clanging of the gong on the private ambulance as it raced me to the nearest asylum. I could feel my arms already in the straitjacket. No one must ever know. Arthur Jean must never tell. If she doubted me, she must never tell. The way I figured it was this. Winnie had been asleep at the pond club. He had been worried about Ponto, and Ponto was desperately ill dying even, from distemper. Both of their, what was the word, their ids, or psyches, were relaxed, weakened, off guard. Then the atomic explosion in the Aleutians, by some freak, had hurled my soul halfway around the world into the sleeping body of Winnie Tompkins. His soul had then crowded into the body of Ponto. Ponto's soul, if dogs have them, which I don't doubt, was out of luck permanently withdrawn. Crazy? I'll say. I was the only person alive who knew that it was true, and nobody would ever believe me, if only for the reason that it would always be much simpler to lock me up. Quite obviously, Ponto knew that he was Winnie and resented my presence in his home. He had shown the jealousy and ill-temper natural to a man instead of the friendliness of a dog. He had been humanly jealous of Germain. Suddenly I chuckled. By George, this was rich. Winnie, in turn, undoubtedly believed that I was Ponto. The Jacqueline angle was outside of his range. No wonder he was furious with me when he saw that his household pet, a Great Dane, masquerading in his human body, had usurped his place in the affections of his wife and authority over his home. Only Hunger, which brings all things to terms, had broken his rebellion against this monstrous confusion. It must be tough to find yourself reduced to dog-biscuits and runs on the lawn. I knew what I must do. Arthur Jean had been right. The only way I could make myself secure was to have Ponto killed. Would this be murder? I wondered what Father Flanagan would make of it. Probably, he would say yes it is murder if you believe that Winfred tompkins is ponto yet until ponto was dead there could be no security for me at any moment if the psychiatrist were right the change might come with a small shock and winnie tompkins would resume lawful possession of his body his home his wife his money while i commander frank jacklin u s n r could count myself lucky to be allowed to sleep on a smelly old blanket on the floor in the corner and eat dog biscuits and be offered as a thoroughbred sire there was still time to stop that nonsense the strictly practical thing to do was to go to the kennels first thing in the morning then i'd take ponto away from dalrymple and drive down to white plains and find a vet to give him chloroform Thus, I would be safe from the possibility of having Winnie reoccupy his body and drive me into Ponto's, or, worse still, into the stratosphere to join the mild chemical mist that was all that remained of the body of Frank Jacklin. All right, it was murder, then. I would be murdering Winnie Tompkins. But I would be the only one who would know it. The perfect crime. I laughed to myself at the thought that now Harcourt would lose his last chance to learn what Winnie had done in that fateful week before Chalmers' thorium bomb had blown me and the Alaska into the Aurora Borealis. Although it was a cool night, I was perspiring violently. My nerves were shot to pieces. After this I would need a rest. Winnie's business was in good shape. I could afford to keep away from the office for a time until I grew a new face, as it were, after this shattering discovery. Then, Jimmy and I, perhaps we would have a child. I'd be damned if I'd let my son be a stockbroker with a Great Dane. I might even take the ambassadorship to Canada. The Forbes-Dutton scheme sounded too raw even for Washington. It would backfire into another teapot dome. I drew a deep breath and relaxed in my bed. My course was plain. First of all, I'd attend to Ponto, burn my canine bridges behind me. Then I'd take Dr. Folsom at his word and go to the sanctuary for a couple of weeks. My nerves were shot to pieces, and if I didn't tell him or Pendergrass Potter about this latest wrinkle in transmigration, they would have no reason for detaining me against my will. Oh yes, I'd have to see that Rutherford got his money. Mary Vale was still in Hartford, damn him and his nurse. Well, the thing to do was to stop off at Rutherford's office on the way to the kennels and give him a check. Vale could fix up the papers later. Once Ponto was dead, I could relax. Was it murder? Well, that depended on how you look at it. Certainly I was doing a better job of managing Winnie's life than he had done or could do. Look how I straightened out his mess with women and had made Germaine happy for the first time in her life. Look at the killing I had made in Wall Street, three million smackers just by using my head. Look at the way I had sold myself to the authorities at Washington, except for the State Department. The happiness and welfare of too many people now depended on my staying in charge of operations instead of Winnie Tompkins. Here at least was one case where the end justified the means and nobody could call it murder and anyhow chloroform is an easy death you choke and gag a bit at first but then it's all easy like falling off a log you just go to sleep and never wake up it would be the kindest possible exit for a man who had done no good in the world i drifted off to sleep i awakened with a start as though a voice had summoned me the moonlight was streaming through the bedroom window I knew what I must do. I got out of bed, crossed the room to the clothes closet, felt over in the corner until my fingers found the knot hole in the smooth pine lining. I pressed, and there was a click. I reached down and lifted the sloping shelf for shoes. There, underneath it, lay a small, neatly docketed file. There were many papers, and the record went back for years. I switched on the light and examined the contents of the envelope marked Thorium. It was all there—the ship, the names, the ports, the mission. There was documentation on Jacqueline. I ran through it. It was accurate and included a specimen of my signature. There was a cross-reference to Chalmus and a small file on someone named Kaplansky. Irreverently included was a folder which contained three cards labeled Retreat, Holy Week, St. Michael, and Stations of X. I crossed to the fireplace and put the papers in the grate. For an hour I sat there feeding the flames with the record of betrayal and infamy. Names, places, dates. I glanced at them, forgot them, and burned them with rising exultation. Thank God that load was off my conscience. I might have to answer for Winnie's sins, but I was damned if I'd be responsible for his crimes. And the killing of Ponto was no longer to be murder. It was an execution. For Ponto was Tompkins, and Tompkins was von Bieberstein. Dawn was beginning to smudge the windows when the last paper had been burned and the ashes crushed to fragments beyond the power of reconstruction by forensic science. Without Winnie, the organization of his gulls and dupes would fall apart, and the thing that had been von Bieberstein would cease to exist. Another thing was clearer too: Winnie Tompkins had had an obsession about Jacqueline. Finally through some combination of fatigue and mental shock a jacqueline personality had taken control call it schizophrenia jekyll and hyde or whatever there was a fair chance that i was still winnie but his better self the dog had been another obsession the dog was to blame well if i believed it it might be true like the old scapegoat system I was physically the same man who had been von Bieberstein and had blown up the Alaska, planting evidence that would throw the blame on Jacqueline. In my heart and spirit, it was as though I had been recreated. All the evidence had been destroyed. I switched off the light and returned to bed. I fell asleep almost at once. For now, I knew that I would be safe and that Germaine would be safe. There was no record left, and soon Ponto too would be gone. End of chapter 32